Alrighty, welcome to the Doku Podcast, aka Let's Talk About It. I'm Jonathan Doku, and today I'll be interviewing one of my closest friends. He's a great actor, great musician, wrestling fan, Trenton Arthur London. Woo, it's actually pronounced Lundgren, but... Did it's I get it right? Lundgren. Lundgren, Lundgren, but like, no, no, you are not the first person, and you are not going <laughs> to be the last. Everyone thinks it's Lundgren, but it's actually Lundgren, the D is silent, but... You're not the first to make that mistake, so don't worry about it. Wow, thanks a lot. Yeah, I was wondering where where's the origin in that. Um, so my family is Irish. Um, I, I really don't know where the link came from. My my most people think when I say they hear my last name, they think I'm related to Dolph Lundgren, the actor. But <laughs> no, I can't tell you how many times because it's just such an odd last name. But I'm I'm I I didn't even know who Dolph Lundgren was until my later years so i kept saying no i don't really know where the origin came from but i just know my family is irish but it's yeah. from my dad's side of the family okay all right so tell me a little bit about your childhood like how was it growing up what were some of the things you had to deal with was it a nice childhood was it cool like um so i i was born in california like near the la area and mm-hmm. um, I remember growing up like there, there till I was five. But I, I think no, wait till I was like in like till I was seven because we moved to Texas um, for work or work for my dad's job. But I remember yeah. like the '97 earthquake. It was a huge earthquake that was in the LA area, and there was a lot of damage to it. It was one of the biggest on the in the California area at the time. But um, mm-hmm. that ha- kind of had something to do with it. But, um, nice. no, so like, I, so technically, like, there's always this funny saying, like, no one is actually ever from California. Well, I beg to differ. But <laughs> no, because like, the thing is with LA, and I can, I can vouch for this, like, the majority of people are who live in LA are not from LA. It's just like a yeah. bunch of like because LA's the place you want to go to, but now it's kind of like LA. We, so we got out of there because it was like getting expensive and everything, and now it's just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I find it funny how the tables have turned because now all the LA people are coming to Texas because they said unless you're like a billionaire or, or a celebrity, it's hard to live there. It's so expensive. Oh no! Like we um, rented a car. And for a trip, we were visiting family in Texas, I mean, uh, California. And uh, we um, went to get gas, and it was like $70 total for what we got. And this was like a couple years ago. So, and that, like, whereas Texas, like, I could fill my car for like $24 at most. So that's like three times, almost three times the amount. Yeah, I wonder why it's so expensive over there. So, like, anyways, we, we moved to Texas when I was five. And this is before, like, because you see all these small towns in Texas. This was before that. We lived in Plano, which is a small area outside of Dallas, for those who don't know. And um, it, they, were, they weren't really, like, building a lot of towns. Like, there was a lot of land that was not being bought. But 
we started out in a, like a small apartment because my dad was just starting to get the hang of things. And then we like, we just moved around like twice and I've been living at the same house for about more than 10 years. But, um, it's, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't always an easy childhood for me because, um, at the age of five, I was diagnosed with autism and people need to understand this was the nineties. So autism wasn't that like yeah. mainstream as it is today. So like, it was really rare that people could find like, Here's the thing, and this is just my opinion. Like, it, like when you see like most autistic people think people genuinely think like, oh, a lot of guys get it. No, it's it's equal. It's just like women are able to mask it better, meaning they are able yeah. to adapt their behavior. But because 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 they're so good at masking, it's hard to tell whether they're diagnosed with it or not. Whereas guys, it's easier to tell. Like I, my parents have been in the field for like 25 years, especially my mom. She's been a special needs therapist for like 25 years. She owns her own clinic now. Mm -hmm. Majority of the patients there are men. We have some girls, but like, it's kind of hard to tell. So at my time, it was hard for like to find a therapist, like who would be, who'd be willing to work because you always had to go to them. Now you have therapists come into my house or go willing to come to your house doing it. But it was, mm -hmm. I guess it was just because like nobody really knew what it was like or what the common thing was. And so I didn't really know. Yeah. I didn't know like if my behavior, uh, my odd behavior was because of the autism or it was just because of me. I was a very shy. Yeah. Not, 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 now for the people that don't know, what is a good definition of autism or a good example of autism? Um, basically, without getting like a big definition of it. It's just like, at least for mine, because I have, there's several different types of autism. Mine's Asperger syndrome, which is uh, basically like, um, and I'm self-aware, meaning like there's this kind of yeah. like stereotypical thing, like that Asperger kids are smart, like very intelligent, which in some aspects it's true. We're, we are able to hold more information. We are, we're smarter about certain things. It doesn't mean we're all out geniuses, like with a high Q, IQ of over like 250, but we're, we're, we're vastly smart on, on certain subjects. Like me, it's, it's like the various things like movies, like actors, TV, or wrestling, which we'll go into later. But like, I know all these like random facts that would bore a person otherwise. Like all, like pretty much I had this need to learn this vast knowledge of all these things. Like, yeah. That's the thing about like, like people, like some of them are just turned off by this facts. I was just fascinated with these facts. So with, to answer your question, like autism is basically, at least in Asperger's, it's just like where you're really intelligent, but you don't understand behavior that well. You can't pick up on sarcasm. Like I still deal with that struggle today. Like, like what may come easy to you comes really hard to me. And it also has to deal with like, where like, like we have heightened senses, like we can see better, see farther or hear better. But um, it like, it comes at a cost. Like uh, I remember the, I one time in school, they were doing a fire drill. We knew it was coming. Fire alarm went off. Ee, ee, ee. And this is like a loud siren, as you know. The 
the people need to understand what sounds normal to them is five times amp- it's amplified five times for me. So yeah, it was like it was like point blank range in my ear, or at least that's what it felt like. When it, and I just started pounding my head and just like banging it across the table because I just I needed to drown it out with something. And people were like freaking out. People like were thinking like I was having a seizure or spaz attack. And I and I just started full fledged like crying hard. It was just like I was just like turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Turn it off. And I was screaming. And I ran out of my classroom and just ran hauled ass out the door with the class. Yeah, you're you're like I'm God. I'm not waiting for any drills. No, I went with I'm my class. I was running, I'm like, and out. I was just like they were like keep it keep stay with the class, stay with the class because they had to keep an eye on the kids. It just flat out frustrated me that they, I understand they had a job to do, but they needed to understand that this is very painful for me. So I get outside, I, the fire alarm goes off. I can't go back inside because I'm, I'm, I'm spasms because like, I'll just say this, like when autism, like when we don't understand why certain things are done the way they are, we tend to be confused. And when we don't understand things, we tend to lose sight of what's there, like, if there's a movie that I can explain Asperger's syndrome the best way possible is a movie called Adam. Basic summarization of the movie, it's about an autistic kid with Asperger's syndrome who's in a relationship. That's basically the plot of the movie. Um, but there's one scene that like really, um, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of like, we don't understand, we can't pick up on things. Like, so basically, and I'll try to avoid big spoilers, but there's this one scene where a character gets fired and he has Asperger's and he doesn't understand why he's fired. It's like, it wasn't like um, he did something bad, he was fired. It, it was just like company, like trying to downsize. He didn't, and he didn't understand. Yeah. Like he, the boss was like saying like, I'm going to write a recommendation, like, but he didn't, I, he, it's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to to go somewhere else like and they kept he kept trying to explain the situation to him but the boss wouldn't let him finish because he just didn't so he leaves and he's always i think it's just one of those situations where i kind of wish i was a kid again because it wasn't so hard so he he sees this playground and he sees all these kids playing it's like next to a school cop car pulls up from behind two cops come out and say sir what are you doing and he just says, watching the children. And you can see where this is going from here. Yeah. No, and genuinely, I remember seeing this movie. I would have responded the same way. But then, like, a few seconds later after he said that, I'm just like, oh. Oh, God, I know where this is going. And they're like, yeah. and apparently, like, the cops explained they had been called, like, to the scene, like, someone was, like, spying on children or something like that, which it wasn't him, obviously. But they don't know that. Like, and he's carrying a box with all his stuff in it. He doesn't understand what he had just said is wrong. He has no comprehension because he, he, he granted, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he doesn't understand. Like, they asking him to see ID, sir. And, like, and he's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And they keep telling him to put the box down. He's just like petrified. Because he doesn't understand. He's not yeah. able to understand. So they knock the stuff out of his hand and pin him against like the fence. And the children are all watching this. And there's this girl who lives next to him who just happens to be one of the teachers. 
and he know she knows him. She says he would like never do such a thing, like um, because like and eventually they ID the kid, like and he's trying to explain to them, but they want him to stay up against the wall, but he's not able to process it. it he, it's very slow to him, like he picks up very information slowly. Eventually they ID him, like it's not him, but he doesn't come back for his stuff. He just runs away. It goes back to the apartment and I can vouch. I have like done this when I'm frustrated with the scene. When I'm frustrated, he just stares into his mirror, pulls back his head and just full on slams his head. Mirror shatters. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because from what I understand and what I, you know, I'm not really familiar with autism, but from what I know, people that are autistic are the most blunt, honest people. They have no filter whatsoever. That's that's absolutely true. And like, like, here's the common like trope. Like, let's say I had a girlfriend. She asked the dress if I'm like, does this dress make me look fat? If I think yes, I will be blatantly honest and say, yes. Now that's a no, no for guys. Like we don't answer that question. I'm blatantly honest about it. And like, and we, we're not trying to be offensive. We are not trying to be offensive. We're trying to be kind, but, but in our minds, if we're lying, we're just being offensive. Yeah. Now, how was your uh, high school life? Going horrible. Absolutely horrible. I, um, I, it, yeah. Kids are a piece of shit anyway. So no, I can it's, imagine. It's like, here's the thing. Like my, I went to Allen high school, which People need to understand in Allen, there's only one high school. So there, there's yeah, only yeah. one high school. Like there's several towns near me where there's two high schools or three high schools. There's only one. So, and this is how it worked. One school held all the ninth graders. One school held all the 10th, 11th, 12th graders. So we would go to that school for the year and then we go to the main school. But um, you have to understand this is like thousands of kids in one school. Basically, I of course I got bullied. Of course I got bullied because people like didn't understand how to deal with my behavior, and I was very I was a very yeah. distant kid. Like, like in ninth grade, I had a horrible time. Like, because I'll I'll say this: like, I was being bullied so much that I couldn't take it anymore. It was just pissing me off, and I just said to myself, "It's enough, enough." So I did something to this day I regret. And people will tell you otherwise, like, this is not, this is not how it happened. What I'm telling you is 100% the truth. So one day I was in middle school and I had been bullied like numerous times. My plan was to kill myself in front of everyone at the school. Because what we all did was we gathered in the cafeteria before we were released in the classes. And so everyone was there. And we were, it's, it was had a stage area so, so everyone could see what was going on. My plan, I brought a nine inch knife, kitchen knife from home. My plan was to go to the stage, slit my wrist in front of everybody and scream to my very top of my lungs, you all did this. I wanted them to feel guilt for what they put me through because kids were doing like, here's just a summary, few things that kids were doing to me. They poured soda on my head. They were bullying me. I, a kid, 
asked me, like, because I was the smart kid in my class. Kids would ask me for my answers. I refused. They were not going to get that kind of courtesy from me. One kid followed me, grabbed my head, full flam, full force, slammed it into a wall to the point where my nose was busted, not broken, but like just gushing blood. And I, like, it was all over my face. Like, it was all over my shirt. And I went into the class holding my nose because I had no access to a tissue or anything. The whole cast is just like big eyed and just like, what the, what the hell? And I'm trying to keep this G rated. Like, if I may, sorry if I cuss, but. (laughs) Oh, oh, no, you can say whatever. They're just fucking shocked. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, it was just like, petrified because they're kids i explain the situation and i get the teacher the thing is i know what the kid looks like and i identified it to them he was not reprehended he was not punished he was given a warning for assault and the and this this yeah i can i i can no and this is the kind of thing they were doing like i needed them to be punished and this may sound great to me like i if they weren't punished they were just kind of getting on that behavior, which they did. And I won't go into that long history, yeah. but like and, they would. Yeah. And I mean, like one thing about like teachers, they're the, when it comes to bullying, it's like, they're almost invisible. Like they do nothing. And it, I find it funny that that's, you have that mentality because that's just the entertain. Like, like we actors, we have to, we don't do things half-assed. Like, when we do things, we do things grand with flair. That's one reason why I like the Joker. The Joker would never shoot anybody in the head. He would shoot you in the head, then use your body as a like, like, that's, that's, that's Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you weren't just going to commit suicide. You were going to send a statement. You were going to let these the people way, know, hey, live with work. They don't care what happens to kids until they're a liability. Let me just put it to you like this. Like, you ever exactly. seen the show 13 Reasons Why? And don't spoil it for me because yeah. I'm only on season one. But I'll just say this. Nobody was preaching suicide awareness until someone in that school killed themselves. Then all of a sudden, they're like, every life exactly. matters or like, get help. And I'll go in and it gets worse from here, like when it goes into college years, but like various things, like they poured soda in my head. Um, I was getting called a fag because I was a theater kid. So there's this common stereotype, like if you're an actor in theater and you're a guy, you're gay. Now, this was like early 2000s, so we didn't, so the world didn't see equality for them. And we're still dealing with that issue to this day, but that's another topic. So my thing was, I was going to go to the school. I was going to get on that stage and sit my wrist in front of everybody. I had no intention of living. It was going to be like, I wanted the school to see like, because I had gone to them so many times for help. That, like they had been, and this is middle school. Like, it gets worse in high school, but I had gone to them for help so many times and they just weren't doing anything. And even when they did do something, it was the minor offense. There was suspension that like, yeah, there was no like expulsion. Like I hadn't like, I wouldn't eat lunch with the regular kids. I'd eat it in, in school suspension room where it was quiet and no one was allowed to talk to anybody because that was the only time I got peace and I wouldn't be in trouble. I just walk into the room and they wouldn't care. 
And there will be some times where I'd be in trouble because that's how I met, first heard of the room. I got in trouble. I was ordered to eat lunch in there and no talk to no one. Best time of my, my life because no one would give me shit. And so I go yeah. in there. I bring the knife. I go to the bathroom. Someone had seen the knife in my bag and reported me. So, of course, the school has to take action. I was in school suspension, but then they sent me to juvie. Like, but it wasn't like, like a school with like kids, like who had committed serious crimes. It was just like kids who were in trouble with the school. Honestly, I had. Well, you, you, you know, that, that's, that's so freaking retarded. Like you're getting bullied. So instead of asking, and that's another thing wrong with the school system, instead of asking why you brought the knife and handling the situation, they're like, we know you're getting bullied, but technically no, you brought the knife, so we got to say I yeah. handled the situation wrong. Grant anything, and I still hold a grudge to them to this day, but I handled it the wrong way. I kept going to my parents. I kept going to the school. I sooner needed to learn that they weren't going to care until I took it to an extreme. So I just learned to just stay out of the way. So they sent me to the school. One of the kids decided to definitely take a shit in the trash can. No one like saw this, but like then someone had to be in the bathroom, not in the stall with us, but that someone would have to be outside the stall to monitor. We weren't doing anything that crazy. And it, it yeah. was like a huge invasion of privacy. Like they would literally be in the bathroom with us when we were like doing our business, whether it was a girl or a guy, because there was no separate bathrooms because we, they had the bathrooms were next to the classroom. So they wouldn't get into trouble elsewhere. But honestly, with, yeah. we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. We weren't allowed to be anywhere near anybody else. We had uniforms and stuff like that. That was so freaking peaceful because I didn't have to worry about any problems whatsoever. And it really says something when a school that is meant for troubled kids is more peaceful than a school for the kids with no problems. It says magnitudes of like, what the fuck? But luckily I didn't harm anybody or myself for that matter. But there were, so my dad, mom took me out of the school when she found out they were doing that monitoring thing. And I learned the rest of the semester in school and I was allowed to come back when high school started. But the problem was everyone heard rumors and stuff like that. There were rumors going around that I had killed the student raped their corpse, buried it, and then I raped a teacher, killed her, and got away with it. Who the f- who, who, what's Stephen King as They're going to spread any kids. rumor to get the tension on them. There were rumors that yeah, 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 but like re- regular rumors are like, oh, she's a slut, or oh, she got pregnant. Then yes, it's but, just like, like them like that? talking about with no evidence whatsoever, and everyone's with everything. They pretty much is that me showing up to the high school pretty much just debunked all those rumors because I wouldn't have been in there, and people were like looking at me like, "Wait, you're back." And I'm like, yeah. And I knew I was going to have to deal with, yeah. like, people are going to think I'm still the same or not. Have been, I, right in the head. Yeah. I knew. 
That reminds me of that TV show that was on the ABC family with Avin Dejagia, where they would call him Socio, where it was rumored that he killed his aunt and then he came back to the school. Yeah, That's well, what that reminded me of. Like, I knew I was going to have to deal with, like, kids being skeptical. Like, Bullshit. he hasn't changed. He's probably a still murderer because they're, but they so high school, I'm still getting bullied. I'm still in a suicidal phase and this is the unique thing i had tried to kill myself six times three times by hanging three times by slitting my wrist my parents didn't find out about any of them and i had wow. scars on my wrist like i had cuts on my wrist even the kids in my class knew this kind of stuff was going on because they see my hand and they take my wrist off they wouldn't tell anybody else because they knew like I could hand that like they thought I could handle it, and thank God they did. Because like yeah, because so was your parents just myself, not? It would fail. I didn't know how to properly hang myself or cut my wrist right. So I even gave myself shit. I can't yeah. even take my own life right, and so I uh, thought I was a complete utter failure. I can't do anything right. But why did your parents not notice? Did they were they not like concerned? That was my man. That's what I thought. Like, the truth is, I just did a really good job of hiding it. No, but like, it, yeah. it, like you would think, like I would wear jackets on days where it was hot because I didn't want them to see the scars on my wrist, the cuts on my wrist. And then I eventually told them about it, but it was like years after. But. I, I go to high school and like, it's getting worse. Like, and they, kids are like getting real smart with these things. Like, like here's like some of the things they did. You know, we had a school cafeteria where they like, you know, the things that hold fries. They, one kid yeah. filled it up to the top with ketchup. They followed me into the bathroom. When I walked out, wham, just whacked it across my face. Ketchup was in my eyes and staying in my shirt. My eyes were burning. People need to understand that's salt. And that's in your eye. And it's going to yeah. burn like hell. And so, like, I didn't even bother reporting it when these kids were doing these things. Because I knew the school wasn't going to do anything. Because when I did tell them, they said, like, we'll do everything we can to stop it. You do that. You need to do that and discipline the kids. Because they have cameras out in the way. And they could have found these kids and done something. Because I'll tell you, here's how they knew, like, like, because one of these issues, like, there was this girl in the culinary class who was bullying me. And one day, I just couldn't take it. I was done. And this mentality, and what the school did to discipline me for standing up for myself showed real, their real true colors. So I, what so did I you do? Ripped this. I won't say what I told this girl on, on here because. People. Yeah, please no, stop. but I like to the point where I can talk trash. I just don't like to. Everyone in the class. Oh yeah, you you you're a wrestling fan. Trust me, we know you can talk. But like, no, like, no. Some of the things I say were like not even like appropriate to say in public. Like, I even went yeah. to the world. What went the length of calling the girl the c word, which is something you don't do. And the teacher wasn't yeah, in the no, room, but every no. kid in that culinary room was shocked that came out of, like, the things that were coming out of my mouth. 
Well, I mean, because that's what happens when you keep putting pressure, you get tired. My cousin explained it best. If you shake a soda and you keep shaking it, you're not going to have to wind the top off. The top is going to burst off. And, you know, that that's what happened. You're not just going around calling. And, I'll, and I'll say this. Right. I tried to work things out with the girl. I really did. Because we didn't, like, hate each other. But she made it really clear. She was not interested in working things out. She was going to have this mentality of, I hate you. You should have died in that that suicide attempt because pretty much everyone knew about it, like high school. So she made it very clear she didn't want to work things out. She wasn't even going to try. So I thought I could mind my own business, but then I verbally ran on her because she was pushing it, and I needed to do something to get her off my back. So I leave the classroom and go to see my counselor. Which then, and that time, I was allowed to leave class if I didn't feel comfortable. So. I go and, and I see this. I hear. I see someone following me. I don't recognize the kid, but I go to a place where cameras are because I'm not stupid. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do something. Like I'm gonna. Even if this kid was not following me, I was gonna go somewhere safe. He comes up to me and he tells him like, "I'm the girl. I'm the boy boyfriend of the guy girl you just verbally granted," which was not true. She had like I overheard like that she had been having issues with her boyfriend. This guy was clearly trying to get her, her back by standing up for her. He threatened my life. He said, if you ever come near her again, I'll fucking kill you. He threatened my life. And I just said, I just, I didn't escalate the situation. I said, I'll keep that in mind. And so I went and I told the teachers that this kid did what he did. Legally, they can't tell me what they did to him. But they better have done something because I got detention for verbally ripping that girl. But I'm sorry. Like, yeah. And I'm not, I, I never denied it once. Yeah, I did what I did. But the fact that you're willing to punish me when this kid just full-fledged threatened my life because that, like, I understand what, like, we can't violate like, free speech rights. But that's in the threat. And people and at a high school age, kids aren't, they haven't like learned things well and they're willing to do what their minds do because of pride. So the fact that the school punished me because I was scared, I wasn't scared. I was just concerned. Like, is this kid really gonna do what he's going to do? Yeah. They weren't, they yeah, weren't, willing, you never know they weren't willing to give me someone by my side. They weren't willing to give me protection. They weren't going to vouch for me. They, they didn't even tell me what happened to the kid. I never saw him again. He wasn't suspended. I know that. Because I saw, I would hear he was there. Yeah. I just wouldn't bother talking to him. But it just made it clear to me. Yeah. The school did not care. Like, here's what my school was. So let's say there's Kid A and Kid B. Kid B, watch up and beats, beats up Kid A for no reason. No reason whatsoever. Kid a and B would be suspended because they caused a scene. Even if they did nothing wrong, they would still be suspended because the school didn't want to take any chances. So pretty much my mentality is avoid conflict. Don't associate with anyone because you didn't know if they were going to do anything because you could be breaking yeah. up a fight and they would still suspend you. It's, oh, that's bull crap. But I mean, like, that I mean, like, I get we both had similar, like, we both had rough childhoods and everything, but I mean, come on, there has to be some well, highlights 
for that. I would you know. say like my theater program, but times. the thing is, Allen High School has one of the best football teams in the state. And they got rid of their theater program to fund the football theme, team. And I understand why, but high school... Because this is anyone. High school is the best time to be a theater kid. Because you meet, you get introduced. Like, I didn't become a theater kid until college. And, but like, Same. it just shows like, like now you see these high school theater awards um, in the DFW area once a year. And this is just in the North Texas area, but I'm seeing every, not Allen High School has never been nominated once, even though they put a theater program after I left. But it just shows that they, their priorities are just in their football team. Yeah. And now, uh, did it get better? Because we went to the same college. Did it get uh, better during uh, college with, you know, your teachers or whatnot? Because you said that's when you got immersed. The bullying stopped, but there were problems my first year because I didn't adjust to it well. Like, yeah. And I mean, I'll go on record and say theater kids, not always the nicest. Well, no, I wasn't a jerk or anything. Like, there were still problems my first year, and I questioned going back because, like, like, like math class in high school, I was able to get things along digitally, but algebra was hard for me. And I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. I had one kid just get in my face and yell, shut the fuck up and keep your mouth shut. I un- couldn't understand. It's like you did like things were going so fast in that class. Like I could like, it's going up a set of stairs and step expecting you to go to step three to 10. I needed to go. I needed to know what was going mm-hmm. on four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Otherwise, and I was otherwise I right. didn't understand what was going on, and that kid verbally abused me in front of the teacher. I left. I got in trouble for leaving. Yeah, in college, but you're grown. Like, like you're grown at that point. How could you get? In Apparently, trouble? the teacher felt disrespected, and um, and the next one is kind of where the thing started, and before like. And you know this. I've told you this about various times with the dance class. This was before Me Too, um, the Harvey Weinstein thing, the Fox News scandal that they covered in that movie. Um, what was it? Like the one with Nicole Kidman? Yeah. I, I, I no, no, that's, that or that's a very different movie. Um, it's... Hold on just a second. I got it on my mind. Just give me a sec. Uh, it's going to bother me if I don't say it. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think bombshell. I know. Bombshell. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking bombshell. about. It just came. Yeah, bombshell. it just came out. Yeah. Bombshell. The one with the Fox News scandals where girls were getting harassed because of the. Yeah. Because Fox News wanted this sexualized thing because that's what they do. So people need to understand what I'm about to say was before any of this was going on. So they didn't really mm-hmm. know what they were doing. So I took a dance class and I took dance very late in college because I wanted to be a theater guy and you have to dance for most shows. I couldn't dance. Yeah. So I did the class and it was ballet. I was the only guy in my class, which it's not like, oh, guys don't dance. It's just like that. So what do guys do in ballet? They pick up the girls. Because that's always how usually things are. The guys, that's just the way things are. And I was fine with it. 
I can just imagine how this is panning out. A guy with Asperger's, you know, I, I his ballet like, uh, about my picking up when I was in college because I didn't want to be treated any differently or anything. I didn't want any special privileges. So yeah, people need to understand this because I, before class even started. I went to my dance teacher because I was concerned about this very situation because a girl, I was worried about a girl crying wolf saying I was inappropriately touching them because as an autistic kid, we always assume the worst and exaggerate things before they happen. So I even went to my teacher and said, is this going to happen? Has this ever happened? She says it's never happened. And she's been there almost half her life. So I do the dance class. And like a few months in, um, so three, I get pulled into the teacher's office. She says, like, I'm getting a lot of complaints about your behavior. And I'm like, I had no quarrel with any of the girls. I never got into an argument. The only time I was disagreement is I didn't feel comfortable picking up the girls at first because I was scared one of them was going to do what's about to happen. But let me yeah. just explain what happened. I never displayed inappropriate behavior. I never did any of the things that they said I did. This is 100% false. And it'll, I'll, and then it gets interesting. I'll, not interesting, but like it shows when I go later in the story. So, um, I'm sorry, is my fire alarm going off? Uh, okay. No, nah, I don't sorry. I'm sorry to, to derail this interesting question. But, um, um, <laughs> so, I get pulled in teacher and then the, the professor's office. She says, I'm getting a complaints about your behavior. And I'm like, what's going on? She says, they're telling me you're grabbing them in, inappropriately. Like, and I'm like, am I touching them in the wrong places? Like when I'm picking them up? Cause I can, if you can show me, no, I'm, they're saying you're grabbing them by the, by their private parts. And I'm just like, excuse me. Who the hell is telling you this? Of course, they're not going to say, but like, I was just furious because, and I said, I told you this very situation was going to happen and you, you guaranteed me this has never happened and it never will happen. So you flat out just lied to me. And, and, I, and I needed to yeah. understand that like, this is, uh, she did not intend this to happen, but I was of course furious. Because I'm being accused of inappropriate conduct or like, or yeah, sexual not just that sexual assault. Well. Because yeah. they were saying I was grabbing them by the private parts, which was not true. So the school, I had been called, I was called in the dean's office and like, they asked me questions and I of course cooperated because I just knew once the investigation was started that this whole, this whole thing would be and cleared and it was pretty clear the girls were lying. Now, I do not know the girls. I did not know the girls. I don't know their names and I don't care to find out who they are. The school ne never lost an investigation because at that time, it's a guy so it's pretty clear he did it. I was suspended for a year. Mm, wow. Now, six months after the suspension, because once the suspension is made, 
There's no reversing it. So, sorry, it's a little hard to talk about this, but like, I, I don't mind talking about it. It's just like always hard and difficult. So six months later. Oh, no. I, and, and, and I feel you. I feel you. Because you know I've been through no, similar it's just like, situations. I think, and this is what, like, I'm not saying all women are like this. But I think women need to understand. When they yell rape and they point a finger at a guy, it's a very serious accusation. And I'm not saying, like, all guys are innocent or that it didn't happen. But if you are fabricating something like that and it's not true you are making a very big mistake. But six months later, anyways, six months later, the girl, the girls came forward and said they lied. And I'm expecting the punishment because they just lied to the, I expecting they told this to the police because they wouldn't tell this to a teacher and not expect the police to get involved. The girls get a punishment, but it's not what you think. They got therapy. Wow. Because the, I, I was pissed because they flat out lied. There was no put reprehensible on their part for the punishment they did. And I was expecting the police to like arrest them and stuff like that because they lied. Yeah, yeah I, I would assume because that's you my lied about a crime. That's an offense. That's yeah, I would have countered too. Literally. So I have adopt this new mentality. I'm going back to school because I was suspended for a year and I was on probation. If I got in trouble one more time, I was expelled. But but at, but the probation only lasted like two years. So otherwise, then I had a clean record. Yeah. But I pretty much had this mentality, and this is when things started to pick up and be better. Because I was doing this thing called Musical Theater Workshop, which is where I met the, most of the theater kids that changed my life. But I pretty much had this mentality of like, yes. I am tired of getting hurt. There is no one I can trust. No students, no teachers. And I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to be doing what I did in high school and just avoiding kids. So I go to the new semester and I go into the class. It's just me there. I have a thing for being early. And one girl walks in. And uh, her name is Allison Bray. God, God. Oh, God. I love Allison. I love Allison. She is, just, and she um, was nice and so sweet. She introduced herself, but I was a jerk about it, and I just didn't talk to her, and I didn't even acknowledge her. I, but, and I expected her to be a jerk to me because I deserve it. I was being a jerk, but and people needed to understand that I was hurt. So. I expected like a smart ass comment or something, but she just said this like she sat next to me and said, I don't know what happened to I deserve that, but I can tell you're hurt. Something happened to where you're sorry, it's she's that meant a lot this meant a lot to me. Um I did you yeah. something happened to you. I don't know what happened. Maybe you are like this, or maybe something happened to you to where you're not talking to me. But you've probably been hurt, and I don't know what you went through, but that's okay. Because in this classroom, you are safe. With these kids, you are safe. And you don't have to open to me, up to me or anybody else now. But when you're ready, 
were willing to listen. And I just didn't say anything to her because I thought it was a trick. But I learned over the next few weeks, like, that it was sincere. They were, yeah, they were talking to me. Ones. And the first, like, two weeks, I didn't talk to them. But then, like, the third week, I, I like, I was, like, I was, like, subtly just saying, like, one word and replies to them, like, yeah, whatever. And they pretty much saw, like, I was, I was slowly opening up to them. I was slowly, yeah. like, wanting to earn their trust or, like, get their trust or for them to, like, <laughs> say, like, hey, I'm, I'm a good person. I've just been through a lot, and I hope you'll give me a chance. But, um, no, like, and the class starts getting better. I'm, I'm vastly improving, and I'm quit, like, because here's the thing about any theater program in any school you have to earn your way in. You're not handed anything. And you need to understand. So, like, kids didn't really earn their right to be on stage in the first year they were there. So, yeah. but I was improving so much. Like, I, I distinctly remember the professor, like, at the end of the years, he did, a like, award ceremonies for the students. And I ended up winning most improved students in my first semester there which was unheard of like and he he flat out said like when this kid walked in and said he wanted to be a musical theater I didn't think he had what it takes but he worked his ass off he proved that like like he really is cared he has so much passion and and this wasn't a contest to say like who is better or not but like it really opened the door because like I thought I was just another kid but they were slowly accepting me. And so, like, um, I would audition, like, because here's how things worked. Like, here's how the class worked. The first semester in the fall, we'd pretend we were auditioning for a season of shows. And we'd seen one sh two shows in the style. Then in the second semester, yeah. we would have pretend auditions for a certain show. Like, so... This is where bro, my interest for Broadway comes in. Like, let's say the show is like, and this is for like the well-known theater kids, like Hamilton, which what didn't come out at the time, but I'm just exampling. Like we do all the songs from Hamilton. We would learn the choreography. Yeah. We would learn everything from the show. And we, and the teacher there would make the best cast judgment calls based on that show. So let's say, like Wicked. Wicked was a huge show at the time we were learning the show. We would do all the show songs from Wicked. The, not all the songs, like the big numbers. Yeah. For each, that were important for characters. Yeah, and it's funny because I was there when when he had uh when he called people for Galinda, all the girls' voices just got high, like <laughs> Yeah, because like yeah. Kirsten Chenoweth, who originated the role, had this very high-pitched, squeaky voice. And that's just like, and uh, Adina Menzel, who played Alphaba, who you may, who the world may know as Elsa, um, or Maureen from Rent, if you're a diehard Broadway fan like I am. And like, yeah. But I wasn't, of course, that's a girl-led show. 
But like what really drew me to musical theater was um, at a very young age. This is back when I was living in L.A. And you people need to understand my behavior when I was young was very hyperactive and hard to control. So my parents thought it'd be a brilliant idea to take me to see Beauty and the Beast when I was three. And this is like Pantages Theater. So it's a very prestigious theater in L.A. And like, and I'm excited because you need to understand Disney is my life. Like, yes. Like, so people need to understand this was before streaming services or like YouTube existed. So I had endless supply of VHSs for DVDs for like the the best period in Disney history, which was the Renaissance, which was like Little Mermaid, yeah. Aladdin, Lion King, um, Hercules, which is a vastly underrated show, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Mulan. And I feel like I'm Beauty, like Beauty and the Beast, um, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King. So yeah, I'm, I, I got the big four. But so like the best point in Disney history. So, and I would watch these these video, these VHSs countless times to where the VHSs would wear out and they'd have to buy new ones. So I'm going into the show, like I'm thinking like, I can't really remember much of it because I was at a very young age, but my parents really described me. I was excited and jumping and jumping going in. And then when I was sitting in the show, I was just like still calm in my seat, leaning back and just staring at it and just like in awe and amazed at what I'm seeing. Yeah. Like I was blown away and it, 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 that obsession grew when my dad took me to New York for the first time and he took me to see the Lion King, which is a awesome. No, it's, it's not just a great movie, but like the show adds so much more to it. The costumes, the set, there's a reason it's still on to this day and still selling out. Like, I cannot tell you how, how beautifully made that yeah. show is whether to it's in me, new york that's... whether it's in a tour or international i would see that show anytime in my opinion that's the best show disney's done so far i i've seen a cruise ship version or a disney version of hercules and it's more along the style of uh shrek the musical and I kid you not, I got into a debate with my friend. I said, yes, Lion King is that bitch right now. Well, but wait until Hercules the musical comes out. Well, the out. thing is, the Disney cruises and the Broadway shows are very different. Because the cruise shows are condensed and shortened because they have to appeal to everyone. And they perform on, like, five shows a day. Like, yeah. like uh, one show that I would like to see on Broadway that is done in a cruise ship only is tangled. It's a 45 minute, like an hour, 40, like hour to 45 minute production. And there's new music written by the one and only Alan Menken, who I cannot say anything bad about. He has written some of the greatest songs, not just in like Disney history, but in history period, like a whole example, yeah. be our guest, um, a whole new world, a friend like me. Um, Anything from Little Mermaid, Aladdin, not Lion King because that was Elton John, but like he's still writing music to this very day with Disney. Exactly. And did you see uh, Wreck It Ralph uh, 2? Uh, what's that song? That Slaughter the, Race? Uh, 
he wrote for the girl. Slaughter Race was basically because he went on an interview and he went on record saying, "I'm sick of writing these." I, I wrote that song. Like it's a parody. That, it's a yeah, yeah. He, he was like, "I was sick of writing these sloppy Disney songs." So I was like, "Disney, you want more music? Okay." And even that was good. And he wasn't. It just shows trying. like he I was, don't. He doesn't have to put any effort into it, and he's still great. Like. No, no, because she was literally was like, there's a tire store, hey, I'm rhyming, like, she wasn't even really, like, he wasn't even really Alan on making on his worst day could write an Oscar Red, a worthy song. Like, and, like, he's proven it, but, like, no, like, when, as I was saying, like, these were, like, slowly introducing me to what, like, Broadway was, and I'm just like, okay, like, show me more and then like i think it was like 2004 a movie which came out i had thought it was just a movie but it was this show you may have heard of it, it's called the phantom of the opera i yeah. i knew nothing about the broadway show i thought it was just a movie and like here's the thing i don't like the movie just because nobody does. <laughs> like, I didn't. I didn't. Only know the that diehard Broadway movie. fans hate that movie because the thing is, though, like the show was like people need to understand that was the Hamilton of the eighties. It was literally so amazing for its time. Like Family Opera was just like mind-boggling with Sarah Brightman, Michael Crawford uh, in that show, and just having this amazing chemistry. Like, so my mom took, like, who's a big theater person who still sees musical with me to this very day. And I'll tell that about that later. But she um, took me to see Phantom and I almost fell asleep, like, dur- during, like, the graveyard scene. But then, like, it was close to the finale when his face revealed. I was bawling my eyes out. I felt sympathy for a killer. This really showed, like, this is just powerful storytelling. And like my mom, like remembered like me being awestruck at this show and said like, he's going to be doing this someday. And surely enough, like I was earning my place in college and I auditioned for, so if you are a big Hamilton fan, you will be a big in the Heights fan. Yeah. Which was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first show. Without that, there is no Hamilton. He has said that, but I was, I didn't get cast but they were adding roles and the director thought of me. He said, like, he didn't, I auditioned like everyone else, but he said, like, listen, you would just be ensemble. You wouldn't have any lines. You'd just be like singing in the stage. You were, because they were adding cops to the show to add something different, like, because they didn't want to do a carbon copy. That's the thing with art and theater these days. You can bring your own unique vision to it. So yeah. I was offered, offered with this part guy, Michael, who, Michael Moody, who is a great talent. Um, um, he, I think he's rapping now, like, but he's doing like independent stuff. Um, yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, he and I were the only cops in the show. And honestly, it's, it really, because I had done shows before, but I was bullied in those shows to the day. Like I did Grease and I was Eugene. Because I made my own costume and everything, I had been bullied in shows. Like, like I remember. Oh, oh yeah, that 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 happened. That's why I made that. Like people in, uh, and and it makes sense why uh, there would be a lot of jealousy and hatred within theater. 
And it's rare that you do a job with a cast and everybody's just one big happy family and, you know, mission. I mean, look at what Lee well, uh, Leo Michelle is going through right now. Yeah, well, you know. I, I, and here's the thing. I'm a Leah Michelle fan. She has proven it. But, like, it doesn't surprise me because I've been a fan of her since Spring Waking. But, like, she did a real good job at Rachel. But a little too good because I, because so it kind of, yeah, it, it kind of made me feel like, Part of it's real, but I, until it's actually like proven, I won't say anything about bad about Lee Michelle because that just could be just jealousy. But like Glee has its share, fair share of drama, like, and I won't go into that. Oh, yeah. But like, um, like, yeah, I went in to do Grease and I remember these kids were picking on a kid. They were tying him up in the curtain and I just got him out of the curtain. He thought I did it and just slapped me. Like full fledged bitch slapped me across the face, and even the bullies were shocked. Like there, and like, I was shocked. Like, and I just ran off crying because he was the lead. And in my mentality, they're not going to fire this guy. He was like Teen Angel, which is not a big role, but. I, in my mentality, it was, like, big it was a, like a big, like hell. I had a bigger role in the Grease show than Teen Angel did, but I was not the type of person to ruin a show. And I'll tell this about a little later when I did another show for my own benefit, because people need to understand we were like halfway into the show, like um, in halfway to opening, and I was not going to ruin everything for my own selfish benefit. But I'll explain that to when I get another show. So I did In the Heights. Everyone treated me with respect. Everyone. And from Usnavi, to, who was Clinton Greenspan, who would later go on to do Aladdin on the tour and on Broadway. Who's actually teaching a class at Firehouse this semester. Clinton? Yeah, he's teaching a summer class. A virtual oh, yeah, of course, of course. But like, <laughs> Well, at the time this is going on, we're still dealing with COVID nineteen, but, but yeah, but no, Clinton. Like ever, I met like so many people. I met so many people. I could go down a list of, but like, but I I won't because like I don't. It'd be too long, and I don't want to offend if I forgot anybody. But um, she uh, like no, uh, they treated me with so much respect, and I was expecting to not get treated differently because I was ensemble. Because that's the way it was in high school. Like I was the leads, only talked to the leads. The and so I tried to treat everyone with respect, but they didn't want to talk to me because I was a lead. But in the everyone treated me with respect, like and it, I was just so felt. It truly felt like a family show because In the Heights is a show about family, and I felt so respected that I'm like I want to come back. I want to, and so the next year. We were doing Les Mis, which was honestly some of the best times of my life. And we'll still, was, I still think about it to this very day as the best times in my career. So um, I auditioned for Angera. I did not get it, but I got a prisoner and one of the barricade kids. But, and here's the thing theater kids need to understand. You may have a big ego and you may want to be the lead. Everyone wants to be the lead. You're not going to get it every time. 
you need to be humbled yeah. and be yeah. grateful you're in a show. That was always my mentality. Yeah. I'd rather be in the show as a minor character than not be in the show at all. Yeah, and it's funny because one teacher, uh, when, uh, like, after uh, Brad left, uh, my Brad, good friend, Brad John, being uh, the theater director, for those of you who are listening. Yeah, yeah after he left, my uh, good friend, John Pizak, like, replaced him. And I think, I tell everybody, I feel like people needed Brad because there's Brad's in Hollywood. Like, say, for well, instance, we'll, we'll Dan Snyder we'll, let, is a Brad. Let's not get into that later because I'll get into that later because I'll talk about it. But let's not yeah. talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 but uh, but but I, 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 what I meant by that is he had his favorites, you know. He, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily fair, but that's how Hollywood. No, is. no, no. I was one of Brad's favorites, and I'll I'll explain yeah. it. Like, so apparently, so here's the thing, kid, guys, for listening, we won't. We'll just call him Brad, um, because we don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, no last um, name. So, um. <laughs> Only I'll only say last name if I have something positive to say about them. And I have, when I came in there, Brad was sweet and kind to me, even though I had to earn his place. I did, and he treated me with so much respect. And granted, I wouldn't be cast in every show. I never took offense to that because he was very blunt and honest with me, and I respected that. Here's the thing people understand: Brad was very comfortable around women. He was never hitting on them. And people knew this. They didn't want to say anything to jeopardize their roles because that as all as all theater teachers are like it's funny to me because my friend he goes to KB and his teacher Liz is literally the same as Brad. The beginning of class they rant about something and then they finally get into the lessons. Like all theater teachers are so cool. They're the chillest teachers you will. Yeah, ever and have. we're not saying like all theater teachers are like you you have to kiss up to them to get what you want. We're not saying that. No. But and like let me let me just go on story before you just label this guy a bad person. He was never a bad person. There were rumors, not at all. There were rumors that he had an inappropriate relationship with a student. That was not true. We later found out he 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 had a sexual relationship with one of the students, consensual, but that's still a no no for teachers. Yeah. And here's the thing: like people need to understand. Like I didn't want to believe. Them. And, 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 and let me just say that, which I never understood, because the student wasn't going to school at that time. Yeah, and it, I, we don't know this student. We don't know the student either. I don't really care to know who this student is. We don't know what sh- their intention was. But he had to leave. He was not charged with everything. Like, I don't want to say, like, oh, like, he's sexually assaulted kids, because I don't want to be that guy and pick sides. But, like... That's yeah. really not my side to say, but like we, we got into this point, like, and, but at the time he was directing Les Mis, which is a hard show. People need to understand. It's a, like, you can do Les Mis, but it just because you're doing it doesn't mean it's going to be great. Cause if you are performing a bad version of like, if there's one person who cannot sing Les Mis cause it's a hard show, ruins the entire show. 
and literally it is a hard show and, and and for the and for the theater kids that like lame is they're deemed the smart theater kids <laughs> no and people need to understand you sing the entire show and it's a hard show to understand luckily we had the movie come out so people were able to get into it more like and the movie was because like when i saw lame is the first time i didn't understand what the hell was going on they even had like a synopsis of the show in the program because most people weren't getting in long. But the movie with Hugh Jackman and Hathaway, Russell Crowe, who ruined Javert. Um, um, Don't say it. He had one bad song in the beginning. No, he had a bad voice. But I, this is this is just my opinion. Like, Raymond <laughs> opened up and said, like, hey, people can like the show when they get a chance. But we put on the show. And Brad was directing it. We, I, I would come home and all we'd be doing is learning the votes. I'd be physically exhausted because it's a long process. And once we started performing, because people didn't understand, all it was was a prisoner and one of the barricade boys. But when I learned, I learned everything. I read the book. I read. I watched every show imaginable with my character. I learned my character's name. I read everything about my character. Even for a prisoner, I made up a story for my prisoner. And here's the thing. Chavert, I mean, Jean Valjean has a number 24601. I came up with an idea. Why does Jean Valjean have a number and none of us do? And the director and Brad was like, that's brilliant. Everyone should have a prisoner number. And so we even drew it across our chest like Jean Valjean did it, even though it wasn't necessary. I kept thinking outside the box. And, and I'm not saying... Every idea that came out of my mouth was a brilliant one, but they were willing to listen yeah. to everyone and everyone was willing to contribute something different. But my ideas were getting listened to a lot. And even if they weren't good or what put it in the show, people thought they were great. And I'm a method. So there's a point in the scene where the prisoners are being treated rough. I wanted the kids to beat the living crap out of me and they did for a while. And dur- and they did dur- during up to the shows. And one night, they c- I got cut. N- not a bad cut. It was just a scrape. But they were like, I'm like, holy shit, I got cut. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, are you kidding? This is the greatest thing. And that's, it makes it more real. I'm just like the hope in the audience saw it. And I'm just walking away to change. And everyone's just like legitimately shocked that I would just respond that way. But, but no, like I was doing a really good job. And I was getting a lot of praise for it by the director, by the music director, to the point where people were kind of feeling jealous. And this is just my assumption because it later displayed that when it was opening night and I'll need to say this before we go along. During our run, we had an issue with one of the cast members, I won't say who, but he got fired and we had, and this was halfway through our run halfway through our op- until we opened and so we we had to get someone new and we, it took like a week and he had to learn the priest which is a small role but it's still a critical role it's not just as simple as just we find someone who's available we had to find someone who was eligible and capable of doing that we were luckily we were able to and so it was opening night I brought everything I needed in a briefcase and People, and I brought it to rehearsals and everything. That was everything. Makeup, 
change of clothes, um, deodorant, just in case. And like, and people knew it was my briefcase. So I go in the guy's dressing room yeah. and um, I put my stuff in my corner and everyone knows it's my seat. It's not assigned, but everyone knows it because I sit in the same spot every time. So I go to get, ask the director some questions. I, and so, um, and so I come back to the dressing room to get to check on something. My stuff is outside the room. I'm like, okay, clearly there's been a miscommunication. I just put my stuff back and say like, Hey, don't move this stuff guys. And I go to like get mic'd and everything and ask some, a few more questions. Cause I need And then, so I come back to get on, to check on the, to put in my costume, my stuff's outside the dressing room again. And I'm like, okay, there's clearly something going on. Cause this is just too, not coincidental at all. So I don't say anything. I put my, I, put my briefcase back. I put my costume on and then I go to the end of the hall, which is covered and hide in the exit, the exit emergency exit. And surely enough, my stuff is being like slid out the door. And so I got a pretty much a message of saying like pretty much I had been praised and complimented because like, I, I won't go into specific of like what and how good I was doing. And I'm not trying to brag about this. I'm just very blessed that people are noticing it. And so yeah. I pretty much got a message that it wasn't welcomed. So I grabbed my stuff. I go into the emergency exit, which is in the theater and across from the girl's dressing room. Luckily there's no, there's a door, so I can't see anything. But um, girls come in and hear someone in the emergency exit hallway. They see me changing, and they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I explained, like, I'm not welcomed in my own dressing room. And they're like, "What are you talking about?" They won't let me in. And the, what? And I elaborated and stuff, and I explained the situation to them. And they're like, "You're being what? What are you talking about?" And I showed, I showed the girls. I'm like, "Wait, right here." I put my stuff in the dressing room. And I just tell them, wait, right here. 30 seconds go by, nothing happens. I'm just like, just wait. So the suitcase is being slid out the room and, and thrown out the door. And they're like, what? Why? And I'm, at the time, I didn't know. I still don't know at this day. I can only assume that it was because I was getting a lot of praise and people were jealous. So when that type of behavior goes on, they're fired. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. So they wanted me to tell the, the director. Yeah. I refused because it was opening night. I didn't know who was doing it. And it, what if it's one of our leads? Granted, we had two different casts. We had two different Jean Valjeans but, or something like that. So let's say if it was a Jean Valjean. That person would be fired, but that person would have to learn everything in, in less than 15 minutes. I was not going to... Ruin the show just at my age because someone was treating me bad. And the girls were like, no, you, you can't let anyone treat you this. I'm like, what choice do I have? And they knew, understood why I was doing it, and I asked them not to tell. So halfway through the run, I had to change in the emergency exit. And I refused to tell them. And, and then the girls were just fed up, and they eventually told Brad and apparently I showed up, all the guys were in one dressing room except me. And the girls were saying like, hey, we told him. I'm like, and I'm not mad. I'm just like, why? 
because we can't let you anybody treat you like this. And I'm hearing screaming. And I recognize that voice. It's the director. It's Brad. And I'm just like, uh-oh. And I was thinking I was in trouble because, like, I didn't report this. And so, no, he was yelling at everyone, all the guys. Because we, I didn't know who it was, and I don't think they knew either because they were yelling at everyone. I just wasn't getting yelled at because I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. So there apparently there was all these guys, there's conversation and no one treated me bad afterwards. So the rest of the run went fine. Everyone welcomed me, but they wouldn't talk to me, which is fine. But like, no, all the guys wouldn't talk to me, but all the girls treated me with respect. Which is which is kind of funny, but no, yeah. um, it, it ended up backfiring in their faces because um, it, this is kind of a funny story. Like my friend was the co-director for the show. Uh, we'll call her Amanda. Um, she was uh, very kind, and very friendly to me. She invited me to the um, not a cast party, but it was like a award show where they um rec- recognize like the shows we did and would look back upon them and usually hand out awards and prizes and stuff she kept insisting i come she kept insisting i come and i didn't want to because i don't do well at parties because i don't like to socialize because that's an autistic thing we don't like to socialize because we're nervous about like embarrassing ourselves but um so i yeah. actually caved in and came and people need to understand like we had a cast of 70 people for Les Mis. And I'm not a lead. So, and, and usually the leads get the awards. So we get to Les Mis. And they're announcing best performer. And it goes to one person. Not, there's no male or female category. It just goes to one person. And uh, they talk about like how great this person was and like progressive he was like willing to learn and, and passion and working they were talking about me and they called my name and now i understood why my friend amanda was like so keen on me being there she wanted me to accept my award and i just broke down in tears because i did not expect it because I'm not a lead, yeah. I'm just. Uh, but they rec- that I think they recognize like how hardworking I am and how serious I take it. Because, and I'm not judging anybody. Some people want to be in the movie business for the money and the fame and the fortune. But that's not me. I'm in it for the art, or I'm in it for the storytelling. Now, granted, the money will help provide me for a future, but that's not why I do it. I could be. Yeah. performing in a theater for, for for the rest of my life and be satisfied and be satisfied same same now what exactly inspires you um like to act yeah or just to create act or anything like what gives you that jolt of inspiration well i think when people are sad or like depressed about something, they turn to artists. When you're bored, you go to the movies. When you're bored, you watch TV. When you're and you want to be entertained, you play a video game. When you're bored, you go to read a book. Like you look to be entertained. You turn to artists, and artists can be a painter, an actor, a dancer. 
we turn to artists. Like even like when go with going with COVID nineteen, we would binge watch like streaming shows and like TV shows and movies to be entertained. You turn to artists. My goal as an actor, whether it's a movie, TV show, or theater show, is to take the audience away from all the political bullshit, all the religious, and all the stuff we basically feel uncomfortable talking about. Take them away from that for two to three hours. Tell them a story. Take them away from that. And forget. Yeah, that's why I love acting too. That's why I love writing. And me and my cousin had a debate on whether actors are essential or not. Because I was like, when you think about it, theater shapes the way the world works. Like the world evolves or like theater is at the center I think, of it. I know? think there's some things you can't really talk about to children, but like movies and like TV shows explain things better. Like one of the things I learned like in this time of need with like racism I learned about like treating others the way with others with respect, no matter what they were, were or where they came from, from movies and television, and ironically from a cartoon. And that's the th- and I'll just say this like that's the thing with some cartoons nowadays. Like, like there's this like kind of verification that cartoons should just talk about kids subjects. I respected cartoons that like we're not afraid to talk about inappropriate, like not inappropriate, but like tough subjects. Like, like what, like with, with an age of like superheroes, remember static shock. Yeah. There was one episode. And this is one of my favorite episodes of like, not just cartoons, but like TV in general with this way. This was before like school shootings were like happening all the time. There's this kid where who's getting bullied. And one day he is done, just done. He brings a gun to school and the points it at the bully. And he just full on has a breakdown and like shoving me in the locker room wasn't funny. Bullying me wasn't funny. And they're like, and you need to understand this was like early 2000s talking about the subject and the, and the, like the kid is like, and they're trying to talk him out of it. Like, like you're upset about this now, but in a couple of years, it won't matter. Don't mess up your whole life because of this. He puts the gun down, and this is the one thing you don't want to do. Kids try to be a hero, charge the guy. They knock him down, but he accidentally fires the gun, and someone gets hit. Granted, he doesn't get killed, but the kid goes to juvie because he harms someone because someone tackled him. And I'm not sympathizing with this kid or whatever, but, like, that's the thing with, like, whether it's a kid show or whether it's an adult, like adult movie or not adult movie, but like, uh, what am I thinking? Like a mature subject we, to artists yeah. to tell us and teach us about what is right and what is wrong. What, what, or doing the right thing at what cost? Like Spider-Man is a huge example. What is his motto? With great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. It's not always just about like, you owe the world a favor. You like that's the thing with like heroes these days. People have this assumption that heroes like have superpowers or something like that. Heroes are people who are not expecting anything in return. And I learned that through an artist from a comic book. 
and people like to say like comic books are like for nerds and stuff like that, but they're la- they're not laughing now when comic book movies are making over a billion dollars. Yeah, comic and book they're paying to see like, it. Yeah, comic book movies are the new like comic book movies are the new thing right now. Well, they're the and I'll say this like when we were growing up, we didn't really have this. There was only Superman. It was an yeah. It was an embarrassment. Matter of fact, back when we were growing up, if you were in a superhero movie, you were considered a B or a D list actor. No uh, A list actor would even look at it because the Oscars didn't. You know, really yeah, and now like, and that kind of changed with the Spider Man movies. As ridiculous as the visual effects in some of those movies are, they're better than like. And just hear me out on my Spider-Man theories. Like those Spider-Man movies taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about being a better human being than some of the Spider-Man movies today are. Now, granted. Oh yeah, I I tell everybody the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is a movie that broke through. Like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man pretty much made everybody say, okay, so it's cool to go see comic book Yeah, movies. and but, uh, if you have the right Deadpool, people working on it. Deadpool, um, what else, Black Panther, Logan. and uh, Logan, those were the three that told the Oscars, okay, now you're gonna shut up. And well, not Deadpool. Not Deadpool. Let's see. Let's see the Oscars recognize Deadpool. But no, it, it with, like, here's the thing. <laughs> then Iron Man came out, and changed everything. And who do they get to star in it? They took a big risk on Robert Downey Jr. And people need to understand, at Robert Downey Jr.'s time in the 2000s, he had just been like having drug issues and was trying to get back in the movie business. Yeah. And yeah. he wants and it's funny because they you, cast him as Iron Man, one of the most critically important Yeah, and, and, it, and if you notice... Uh, one of the... And if you notice, like, the uh, director... Disney did not want Robert well, Downey here's the Jr. Thing. at Disney first because didn't, of his past. Disney didn't own Iron Man, like, the MCU until, like, the later 2012. Uh, I, I mean, not Disney, Paramount. but uh, the uh, company. Yeah, Paramount didn't want him as Iron Man because of his past, but the director spoke up and he said, no, that's why I want yeah. him. Because no, it, and it's because John Favreau, who I will sing nothing but praises about, understood the character. You, you look at everything John Favreau's yes. done. Elf, Iron Man, Jungle yes. Book, Lion King, as soulless as Lion King is, visually it is breathtaking. And The Mandalorian. Yeah. The Mandalorian, first life yeah. Star Wars no. TV show, and it's brilliant. But anyways, my point being like, with superheroes, like Spider-Man opened the door and said like, this is cool to watch. Then Iron Man changed everything and said it could be really cool, but like have a build up to it. And without this, like, I will say this, like MCU wasn't the first universe to be started, but it made it cool to have universes. But, and that really changed everything. And then Disney bought it like during Avengers Age of Ultron and then changed everything. Now you see like three or four Marvel movies with the continued storyline to this very day. And the whole thing started 12 years ago. And we're still yeah. just getting... Now, let me ask you this. Now, let me ask you this. What are your three... Uh, what are your three dream characters? 
that you would like to play. I got two in the back of my head that I have to you have to do. But I want to know what are your three dream roles as far as Broadway? On theater? Well, and here's the thing. It would have to be a role that I can play. Like, I can't play Seaweed or Effie White or... Thank you. Like, what's this? What's this all white, uh, all white hairspray crap that's going on? I'm like, why is? Because I was on Facebook and they said it is now illegal to have an all white cast. I was like, why is this a thing in the beginning? Like, why does this look? I'll I'll just say this. Like, you know the show Avenue Q, and I'll just educate this. Avenue Q is like Sesame Street and Muppets for adults. It's a satire really? on the puppet show that educates children. That's the whole point. And it talks about subjects like sex, drugs, sexuality, um, politics. Me like watching porn. No, it, it even has a song called The Internet is for Porn, which is hilarious. And fun fact for you, the Disney fans, the guy who wrote Let It Go and Remember Me, Let It Go from Frozen and Remember Me from Coco, wrote that song. And wow. he's still like, and he wrote the stuff for Book of Mormon, which is another great show that I won't won't disrespect at all. But here's the thing, I'll say this: like, I remember seeing a video production of Avenue Q on YouTube. There was a Christmas Eve and Gary Coleman that were white, and people need to understand this: Christmas Eve is an Asian role. It was made to be by an Asian because it's poking fun at an Asian, without being like offensive. And Gary Coleman, it's like a pair. Yeah. It's not actually Gary Coleman. But it's a woman playing Gary Coleman. It's not meant to be taken seriously. And the show is aware they have white people. They even poke fun in it. And I, I remember commenting on the show, like, why is Gary Coleman and Christmas Eve white? They, within five minutes, sent a statement from the theater saying, like, theater has always been, like, about pretending to be other roles and stuff like that. About, it used to be, like, men pretending to be women. It used to about like they would have men pretend to be African American. I'm like, yeah, but that was the time. This is 2020, and things have changed. I this is the thing. Like, I think theaters like all, and not just in like award shows, but like movies and television. Representation matters. Like, yeah, I remember seeing Black Panther. And I remember walking out of the theater and walking by a poster and I'm seeing these two little black kids debating like who's going to be the black Panther, like, and it's the cutest thing ever. And like, it showed me that representation matters. It's not always about business or like getting a certain audience in, but representation matters. Like, cause like another great example, like, cause here's the thing. People assume you want to be an actor. You just want to do movies. That's not my case. I will go anywhere I want to go as long as it has a good story. People have the assumption that movies like are the best only form of entertainment. That's not true. It's not always about TV and movies. Theater has a good a good storytelling background. Video games, books, or radio shows, or it doesn't have to be Broadway. You can go yeah. to the local theater and still create a great performance. Yeah. Like, like, some like, actually, like, here's the thing, like, representation actually, matters. You yeah, know? and actually, some of the best performances I've seen 
I no lie, like, and and I'm not just saying this. Like, I've literally seen the original productions, so I can sit there and say that some of the best productions or interpretations I've seen wasn't even in a production; it was in my theater class. I've heard, I've seen the best uh, rendition of uh, "Losing My Mind." Uh, I forget what show it's from, but I've heard the best rendition of that. I've seen the best rendition of Burn from uh, Hamilton, and I've seen one of the greatest renditions of uh, MC from Cabaret in a class. That actually you did. That's why I say I don't buy to top two dream roles for you are Quasimodo and MC. Well, technically three, because I want you to be well, waiter. Losing in, my uh, mind first is from Follies, if you were asking. Yeah, Follies. But, um, and this is just an, another thing of being, being educated on theater. I know more than a person should. But to answer your question, like, the thing is with the theater, like, it would have to be roles only I can play. I have, yeah. I cannot, as much as I want to be in Hamilton, like everyone else, that show was meant for the lead roles to be non-white. Now, does it suck? Yes. But that was the way the show was intended to be. You can be King George. You can be King George. Yeah, but that's not really a lead. Well, yeah. And plus, he's a prick. <laughs> but like, no, but like, no, like, I remember there were auditions for Hamilton, the tour in Dallas, and they wanted non-white actors for the leads and people were posting this is racist and stuff like that just because they're not white welcoming white people doesn't mean it's racist that is yeah. the way show business works if they ask for a certain role to be this role you will may not like it but you will respect it it is their show not your show exactly they you will respect it and you will shut up and you will like it now if you want to bring your own interpretation to it Go wait a couple years or put on your own production. Exactly. By any means. I'll like, watch I'm it. Well, here's the thing with art. It's meant to be interpreted in different ways. Like Company, a Stephen Sondheim musical about a man in his 30s struggling with the different ways of marriage. They were going to do this summer in New York a female version of that show. Oh, that would be awesome. And no, like they, it was set like a great cast and everything. Patti LuPone was supposed to be in it, who I can't disrespect at all. But it, you know she was in that role uh, before. I wonder who if she got to play the same. No, she was got like it was, it was supposed to be a female-led show, so the main guy was going to be a girl. Oh, so Patty Lapone was going to be the girl. No, no, I think she was going to be someone else. But like, yeah, no, because like, I know she's done it before. Yeah, well, a different role. It would be a guy role. Like the roles would be reversed. Like, um, like uh, another example, like Olaf on Broadway for Frozen is a woman Ooh. like and i know the show closed down because of covid but that's not that's a topic later so to answer your question for my top three dream roles and this is like in no particular order even though number one is the one i want to play the most <laughs> uh no i'll actually go in particular order um i think um even though it would be a real challenge vocally i always like to thrive myself on being a challenge three would be jean valjean yeah, I can see that. Like, it's a hard role. It's the lead of Les Mis, but you pretty much are in the show the entire time, almost the entire time, and you carry that role show on your back. And I like a good challenge. Um, number two, the show never made it to Broadway, 
and it's sad because local the- but I am also happy because local theaters are allowed to do it now. Quasimodo from the Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, I got one. Because yeah. no, but like because out there from Hunchback of Notre Dame is a criminally underrated song. Yes, it is. Hell, the whole Hunchback of Notre Dame is just an underrated music score to begin with. The gospel choir and stuff like that. Like, you're seeing shows tackle that issue now, like, and doing it now. But they were ahead of its time. Heck, Hercules is doing it now. But, and, but no, number one will always be the same, and the show's still on to this very day. The Phantom from the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. But no, like, um, let, let, you said you wanted to talk about, like, wrestling or something like that? Yeah, What? who's your top three wrestlers, and when did you fall in love with wrestling? Like, at what point did you say, okay, this is my shit? Well, when we moved, like, to Texas, I really didn't have any, because the channels were different, so I didn't know. We didn't, This was before we had a TV guide, so I didn't know what to do. So I just put on wrestling one night. And I'm like, oh, this will be something different. And I remember watching this guy, The Rock, um, <laughs> and uh, like, just the mouth on that man, the trash talking aspect was unbelievable. What year did you come in? Um, the Attitude Era, like, and who, who for non wrestling fans, this is arguably one of the critical moments in wrestling history because this is when wrestling was beating NFL in the ratings, and it was like the thing to watch it was selling out arenas because of wwe and wc or wwf at the time and wcw and i was just like but i was only watching wwf i had no interest in watching wcw because and people need to understand this at the time you couldn't watch you couldn't watch the the, the two separate set on the side two separate sets of tvs because you couldn't flip channels back and forth and record stuff yeah so i just watched wwf but the earliest thing I remember um, was Vince McMahon doing like, and I had no idea who he was. So I see this old man walk on and he's saying, we're going a more attitude direction. And thus the attitude era began. And um, like, I'm watching these things and it, granted, like they, my parents knew who wrestling was because of Hulk Hogan. And they thought, Oh, this is the kid stuff. He's watching stuff. This was full on adult stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm watching like the Kiss My Ass D- Club, um, D- Brown Panties matches, like, and you gotta understand, I'm five, and and then I'm when and through ten, five through ten, I was watching this stuff, and I was thoroughly entertained because I'm a guy. But then, like, yeah. towards like the later 2010s, I still watched it, even though like I learned curse words from wrestling, and they said I couldn't. My parents said I couldn't watch it. I was still watching behind their back. Um, oh yeah. So. Um, I over over the time the product started kinding to fade. Even when the, like the early two thousands with the brand split, I kept watching WWE. I never opened myself up to other stuff. And then that changed over the two thousand tens when like I said like I'm gonna watch some other stuff. So I bought all these VHSs and DVDs and like other stuff like WCW or ECW. And then I opened my talents select uh, my eyes to Japan. Which, like, people yeah. need to understand, Japan, wrestling in Japan is like a religion. Oh, yeah. It's like a sacred thing. It's not even funny. They love that. They love that shit. Did, did you ever watch uh, TNA? Oh, I, absolutely. 
I, I never really got into Japan, but like when it came to wrestling, TNA, like I was like, oh, so there's another one, and it, it was where all the old wrestlers that I haven't seen. I was like, oh, so they're still doing that. I Again, I was off. late to TNA. I didn't watch it till like AJ Styles was starting to leave the company. You 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 remember the aces and eights? Yeah, I was literally watching it a year or two before they staked it. That's what I found it. That's what I found it. Brooke Tessmacher, my God. Oh God. Like I'm not gonna like here's the thing. I've always believed that like what got me into wrestling was tag team wrestling. That's what got me into it. Uh, the the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, to cool, the Hardy Boys. Um, um, right to censorship, um, the headbangers, if you remember them, um, yeah, and like it, it, and then I opened myself, like, there was this beautiful blonde named Trish Stratus, and I was uh, yeah. she was my first crush, and it opened myself, like, because I'm a guy and I'm young, so I'm gonna like the bra and panties matches, but then over time, I'm just like, I'm bored with this. shit I wouldn't actually see wrestling. And like, so I opened my talents and like opened my eyes to like local wrestling. I went to indie shows and so like, it's not just about, there's not just one show to watch. There's many different outlets to watch. I feel like wrestling now is kind of like an underground grunge thing. That's only getting better and more hybrid and different at wherever you go. Like American wrestling is different from Japan wrestling. Japan wrestling and American wrestling are different from Australian wrestling. Australian wrestling is different from British wrestling. But to answer your yeah. first question, now does it have to be in WWE or anywhere? The wrestlers. Uh, anywhere. Top three that are alive, like off the cuff. Now, as wrestlers or entertainers. Well, 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 let's divide. Three wrestlers and three sports entertainers. Um, well, number one entertainer would be Stone Cold. Number two entertainer would be, um, I'd honestly have to say The Rock. And number three yeah. would have to be Hulk Hogan. And you can say what you want about him, but for his time, he was entertaining. He's still entertaining. Oh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was, I like to call the Goku of wrestling because people that don't that's a dragon ball anime, record, no, for anybody who doesn't understand yeah people who, who people who don't even watch anime know who goku is and it's the same thing people that don't watch wrestling know who the rock hulk hogan john cena those two those three they know who they are now like i say entertainers and people may not understand wwe is not wrestling they call themselves sports entertainment and this is a whole other yeah. discussion that's like too long, but basically wrestling is different from sports entertainment. Very yeah. different, but that's another discussion. Now, as for wrestlers, number three would have to be Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. No, wait, actually, uh, Will Ospreay's four. Number three would be Kit, would, would be um, AJ Styles. As 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 he should be. Number two would be Kenny Omega. As he should be. One, he should I, be. I, he's not even my favorite, and Kenny Omega is my favorite. But like, I can't deny that the talent is Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. But like, I have to mention my favorite tag team, the Young Bucks. 
are they in your top three or do you have two more? Like for tag teams? Yeah. What what what's your last two and three? I think for who gets three that spot? For tag teams, um man, like number two would be the Hardy Boys. Definitely. Um Definitely. number one would be the Young Bucks. Because I love their like what they have done. For tag team wrestling, like, because people need to understand, oh, yeah. tag team wrestling is not good today, unless it's on AEW. And again, I say the Young Bucks are the. Uh, there was a time when the Young Bucks got mainstream. People that even didn't even know wrestling knew who the Young Bucks were. For example, me, I'm a WWE diehard. I do not watch anything else. Well, now I watch uh, AEW, and I'll get to that in a second. But I knew who the Young Bucks were, and I didn't even know who Kenny Omega is. No, no, like, that's the thing. When, like, people need to understand, and and for number three on the tag team list, I would probably have to say, um, um, oh, my God, what was it? It's, like, on the tip of my tongue. I think uh, New Day. I think it would have to be. I'm drawing a blank. I think it would be the Dudleys, but I don't want to say that because that's too much of an easy one. I think. Yeah. I think. Um, I think number three. I think it's a new team today. I think it's. Um, Oh my god! I, I'll, I'm drawing a blank. I'll get back to that in a bit. But like, it, it, it's not Bailey and Sasha, is it? No, no. <laughs> but I will say I enjoyed the Kabuki Warriors as a tag team. Yeah, they were nice. But um, but uh, what was I talking about? Uh, WWE not being the only thing. Oh yeah, and like yeah, I yeah. was saying, WWE, like you know how like sports have their championship games. Well, WWE has their big event called WrestleMania. I had always wanted to yeah. go to one. It came to Dallas. I went to it. But before this, I hold, I found out there was this whole week of wrestling called WrestleMania week, which WWE has the thing and other independent shows come into town and try to capitalize on the tourist attraction there. I went to a promotion called Evolve where it was partnered with WWE recently but it was focusing on like independent wrestlers like Johnny Gargano before they got signed, Will Ospreay, yeah. Marty Skrull, Tommy Ann, yeah. or you know as Aleister Black, TJ Yeah, and I, I heard Evolve was in uh, some legal, not legal, but I heard they were having money issues. Hopefully, WWE can help them out. Well, the thing is, if WWE is buying, it's not going to be the same. True, true. But um, but see the thing. But but is there any wrestling conventions? Because uh, one thing about me, WrestleCon, uh, where and when is it? It's usually during WrestleMania week. Like, but that's the thing though. Like, you need cash. They won't take credit because they get the all these old school wrestlers and independent wrestlers to meet you, and you would need cash. But like, it travels with WrestleMania. But WWE's been trying to stop it. Yeah, because they can't profit over it. It makes it's sense, but like, uh, but like the reason why I said asked that question is because I, one thing about me, I'm I'm not a fan of anime at all. Like, I don't understand how anybody can watch anime. I get anxiety because some of them have a lot of episodes, like ninety eight episodes. I'm like, I'm never gonna finish this. But I do respect anime as an art form. 
and I would go to uh, Akon when it was at the uh, Hilton Hotel. And Akon noticed that a lot of their fans like wrestling, so there was a wrestling section that they added. And it was literally the greatest time of my life. Uh, there was a guy dressed as Roman Reigns. He had the hair and the beard. There was a McFoley. There was a uh, Kevin Owens. Like it was awesome. Yeah, well, there was even a black dude Ambrose. Well, <laughs> they have a wrestling in Japan. There's a wrestling anime about Tiger King, um, who is a famous wrestler in Japan, and. Oh, I thought you were talking about the curl. No, no, not, no, not. That, well, that, that's a discussion we'll have off this podcast. Right. But, uh, <laughs> no, at, at anime, I was always a fan of Dragon Ball Z because it would come on Cartoon Network. and But this was when it was English. Then, over the years, I have introduced myself to more animes like Attack on Titan, Naruto, um, Sword Art Online, um, 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 fairy tale, Dragon Ball Z again because I never get tired of watching it. Um, yeah. Um, Demon Slayer, um, who I can't say enough praises about. Um, My Hero Academia, like, and I'm quick. And you're talking to a guy who watches Japanese wrestling, so I was used to watching stuff in Japanese with subtitles. So yeah, I watch anime you with Japanese trained. subtitles and English uh, Japanese audio and English subtitles. Because I like listening to the original intention. Because the thing is with English, it's very corny. And they change the dialogue to make themselves different and make them stand out. But sometimes the dialogue is just terrible. Yeah. Now, last question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, top three favorite actors of all time, male and female. <sighs> um, number three. I'm loving Amy Adams. Anything she's in. I remember watching Enchanted and seeing this beautiful redhead playing this princess, which is a parody princess movie to make up all the tropes and stuff like that. And I died of laughter. If, yes. Like, here's the thing with like, it, Enchanted's not like a mainstream movie like most Disney movies, but here's the thing you need to know about Enchanted watch all the Disney princess movies, then watch Enchanted. And have a good time. Exactly. exactly. No, like it pokes up all the tropes, like talking to animals, calling animals, like um, you can't fall in love on the first date. And this was before Frozen. But no, Amy Adams, that was the first time like I first saw her. And then she quickly showed me like she's getting nominated for Oscars left and right. And she's a great actress. It's a shame she hasn't won one yet, but I understand why. Yeah. But she just hasn't had that role yet. It's just been very competitive when she's been on. Yeah, and plus, I'm not, I don't think she's really sweating in it. It seems like, because you can tell some actors, they hate the movies they're in, but they're like, oh, this is going to get me their options. And then you have people that's chill, like her, that says, you know what, it might get me one, it might not, but I'm out. No, she's, like, she's, she's truly an artist. She yeah. like she and I'm notice and notice like I usually I would have put like Angelina Jolie on there, but like Amy Adams is really shining to like say like anything she's in, she can make it good. Like Arrival, which is a sci-fi movie, and the Academy doesn't usually recognize sci-fi movies that much or super but Arrival was absolutely stunning. I was blown away how much how good it had more it was more better than it had any right to be.
yeah. especially with the story. Now, who, but like, I love the director, and he is directing. Um, what uh, he's directing a two-part movie of remake of uh, of a '80s movie that was a flop, and he he directed Blade Runner sequel. Ooh. And twenty forty nine and what what's it called? Um, Dun- Dun- Dune Dune Dune. It's a re- he's currently directing that. Um, it's a two parter because it's a big story. But his name is Denise Villeneuve, I think, believe. But I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully, it's not delayed because of COVID. But it's coming out December, so I doubt it. Yeah. Now, uh, number who's two. Your, yeah, number, number two. two. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, well, as it should be. Well, it's not just, it's because, like, he's always been a terrific actor. And yes, I know he's been, he's been very difficult to deal with on set. I know he's been, like, he has his own style because method acting is a very particular set of doing. Well, well, I don't think Joaquin is necessarily difficult as in he's a Devo. I think he's difficult because he, like you said, he has his own method, method. of doing things, and people don't understand that. Well, like, in his Golden Globes, like, he doesn't like award shows. He doesn't like winning stuff. He has his own way of doing stuff. Like, even when he won the Golden Globe, for Joker, which is my favorite performance by him, even though yeah. a lot of great performances, because Joker is my favorite character in all of entertainment, because he has such a unique story to him, and you don't know much about him. But the what, what Joaquin, like, he was spanking the director, and he says, I am such a pain in the ass, and thank you for putting up with me. And yeah. here's the thing, like, sometimes the best actors are the ones that are difficult to deal with. And yeah. I personally am a method actor, but I'm not difficult to deal with, but, but I have a due way of certain approaching things. I'm not saying method isn't the way I always go, but it's the way I prefer to go. Yeah. And number one, this is the man that made me want to get into acting, and that's uh, Johnny Depp. Ah, uh, Johnny Depp is my number one as well. And I, I know this is like coming out with like, the controversy, like whether he abused his wife or not, and we finally got some shed light from it. Oh well, I well, well, well. I mean, he didn't. She actually kicked his ass. So, well, she abused him. Yeah. But like, that's the thing with like Hollywood. Like, I don't know if I'd want to be in the movie business because, like, or living in LA for that matter, because you have too many cameras following you around. You have no privacy, and it's I'm not guy, easy. I'm a guy who needs his privacy. Yeah, and well, well, see, it's funny you mentioned that because Whoopi Goldberg actually spoke on that. She said, people used to line up in front of my house every single day. And she said one day she just got tired of it and she went outside and she said, hey, I know you guys are popular. I see, I know this is how you make your money. And I respect that. Now, what I'm asking you to do is respect me. Now, I will be here every day at five o'clock so you can make your money and photograph me. That's all I ask is let's do this the right way. And they agreed and everybody won. She got uh, her peace of mind and rest at five o'clock. They came, she answered questions, did interviews and this, that and the fourth. So, you know, it worked. So you got to kind of put your foot down because they, they, it is true. As hard well, as it is to this, say, they make money too. 
this is the thing I have with the like entertainment business. People feel like they are owed to know what's going on in our personal lives or as celebrities' lives. Yeah. You are not owed a damn thing. You don't you it is a privilege. You are not owed anything. You don't you don't need to know what's going on in my personal life. If you want to know my personal life, be my friend and stuff like that. But just because yeah. I'm a celebrity doesn't mean I'll be your friend. And then also, I don't know you. Just because you grew up with me when I was on the show, like, say, for instance, uh, sometime when I watch uh, shows like um, Degrassi or That So Raven, I feel like I've grown up with them. But just because you've watched me on the show for a certain amount of time does not mean you've grown up with me. The, the show's not even real. Like the fan stalking... Like you watch David Dobrik, the YouTuber? Uh, no, but I well, someone he's a popular YouTuber, and someone drove across the country from his house because he was a fan of his videos and showed up to his house. And now he may have to move because people are showing up to his house asking to meet him. Being a celebrity ain't easy, you know. That and that's the thing. Like I want to be in the acting business for anything, but I don't want to deal with that kind of sucking. And he doesn't want to call the police because that would lead to arrest. And but I don't see any other way and, because that's bad publicity. Yeah, like he does. It's it's between a rock and a hard place because he doesn't want to call the police because these people actually love him. But at the same time, but there's a point where you got to put your foot down and say this is enough. You are breaking so many rules. If you this was another celebrity, you wouldn't do this. Yeah. So uh, is there any other questions? Nope, that's it. We went on a long time. I was thinking, oh, we're going to do about 30 minutes, maybe an hour. It's been like over an hour right now. Well, I'm welcome to come back anytime and discuss anything else. But like, it's- Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to get you back on here because we got to discuss the uh, new router of a PS5 and the new brick. The tower of an Xbox that just came out. Yeah. And we also have to discuss that new Batman movie and how they're going to be doing the Joker. Yeah, but, but that's thanks like, for coming that's on. like off podcast stuff. Yeah. But thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Do I just hit leave recording? Yep. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye.